0: Well, hello, y'all. P- pleasure to be with you. I'm Dennis Prager. I've done about 40 interviews in the last couple of weeks for my book that just came out this week, The Rational Bible, third volume. If you end up with the five volumes, which I pray you do, because it means that I wrote them, <laughs> each each book is such a challenge, you'll really have a beautiful collection, physically, and I believe morally, intellectually, religiously. It's so obvious that the, the dilemma of this country is that it's a post Judeo Christian era in which we live. Secularism ultimately crushes everything, it produces leftism, which crushes everything. It's just, it's, you don't have to be a believer. You know, I'm not pushing any one religion. So, you can't accuse me of that. I'm pushing what reason dictates. The society will not survive the death of one of its members, if you will, of the, the American Trinity, e pluribus unum liberty and God we trust. Everything is dependent upon the God part. There are There are atheists and agnostics who acknowledge that. You don't have to be religious to understand this. And there are people who claim to be religious who don't understand this. People don't want to confront the obvious how many How many kids in college have ever heard that secular regimes butchered one hundred million people? They never heard that phrase correct? never heard it. It's brand new to them. Oh, religion, people kill more and more in the name of God and religion. The ignorance that passes for truth is the is the chief characteristic of of leftism because truth is not a left- wing value. If you don't teach that secular regimes are the barbarians and butchers of humanity, you're a liar. You lie by omission. Not every secular regime does that, but every regime that did it was secular. The only massacres in religion in the 20th century of 100 million people butchered, non-combatants, 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 was the, uh, the, the Ottoman Empire crushing the Armenians. I don't know, I don't know, is it, I don't know the number, I should look that up, was a million, two million, I don't remember the number, who accounts for the other 98 million secular regimes, and yet the left, more power, 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 more power to the government, more power to the government, you can't have a powerful government and liberty, you can't, it's one or the other. Uh, these basic understandings of life that are not transmitted. Hey, did you see the artwork? That's. Uh, did you see... Would you send me these, the... Uh, what was it? A, a sculpture that doesn't exist and it's sold for $18,000? Look it up. <laughs> $18,000. A guy, I think an Italian, he sculpted... It just happened. That's why I'm bringing it to your attention. He sculpted a, a non-existent sculpture. It's it's like the piece of music where the guy sits at the piano for four minutes and I think 23 seconds. It's called 423. And does nothing. And then the audience applause, applauds. By the way, if you ever feel that you're lacking because you don't play piano, you can say you've done, I think it was John Cage. I'll check that too you played John Cage's 4.23. You did nothing for 4 minutes and 23 seconds, but you sat by a piano. So when I looked up the sculpture that doesn't exist and sold for $18,000, I also saw a link to another piece that sold for a million dollars from the 1950s, 4.33, 4.33, thank you. I, I always get that. Uh, my, my memory is not my chief selling point. Just a bit outside. Was it outside or inside? I think it was inside. 4.33, that's what you play. So from the 50s, there was this link to a an artwork that also doesn't exist but there's a signed paper by the artist with regard to that artwork, and that's sold for a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we work very hard for a million dollars, and uh, uh, why, why didn't we come up with a gimmick? Maybe my maybe my maybe the sixth volume, that's what I'll do. I'll do five volumes of the Rational Commentary, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then I'll do a sixth volume called The Book of Sean. Yeah, he likes it. And nothing will be there. And see how, how many buyers I get. I like that. Just think. Think of it, my friends. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, The Book of Sean. You know, I. I'll leave it, autograph. It, uh, yes, he'll autograph. Well, he'll he'll. That's right. You'll you'll with an invisible autograph and with an invisible ink. The whole the whole thing. If there is a truer statement than the following about anything in life, I don't know what it would be. When people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing; they believe in anything. I don't know of a truer statement about life. Okay, welcome indeed to the Dennis Prager Show. Let's see, next week I will be in Orlando, Philadelphia, Cleveland, I believe. I got to look up the cities with my colleagues on the battleground tour before the elections. You should come out. If, if they're not sold out already, you should you should check with the, uh, the local Salem station. That you heareth me oneth. That should be a, a lot of fun and invigorating. Well, my friends, I want to bring to your attention one of the great truth tellers of our time, Heather MacDonald. The marijuana myth. Mm -hmm. With the midterms bearing down and the post-George Floyd crime wave still underway, President Biden and his fellow Democrats face a dilemma. Continue hammering the theme that law enforcement is racist or position themselves as guardians of law and order. Innate inclination won out again last week. Biden announced that he was pardoning all individuals who have ever been federally convicted of marijuana possession. His reason for doing so, Biden said, was to, quote, right the racial wrongs that the criminal justice system has allegedly perpetrated. Quote, while white white and black and brown people use marijuana at similar rates, black and brown people are arrested prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionately higher rates. This claim, equal marijuana use, unequal criminal justice treatment, has been a cornerstone of the left's war on cops for decades. It is routinely trotted out as exhibit A in the left's narrative about racist policing. Predictably, the New York Times, which is to the uh, the left, what Pravda was to the Communist Party in the Soviet Union, its official spokesperson or spokesjournal. New York Times regurgitated the equal-use claim in its coverage of the Biden marijuana pardons. Quote from the New York Times. While studies show black and white people use marijuana at similar rates, a black person is more than three times as likely to be arrested for possession than a white person, according to a report from the ACLU that analyzed marijuana arrest data from 2010 to 2018. First, let me just say this, not being an expert in this arena, black use of marijuana versus white use of marijuana, my assumption is that if it's an ACLU study, it's a lie. Just, I need you to know that in advance. It may not be, but if I had to bet on it, and I'm not a betting man, I would bet it's a lie. The significance of the equal use claim extends beyond the war on cups, however. It is part of a larger narrative that denies both the existence of significant racial difference in culture and behavior, and the role played by those differences in explaining socioeconomic disparities. It is worth assessing the equal use claim against the data therefore since a world view hangs upon it she not only she writes beautifully i she she is as clear as i hope to be and many of you think i am so when we return is it true that blacks are disproportionately arrested just for marijuana use The Fed is unstable. Interest rates could go up at any moment. If you're relocating and need to buy a new home or invest in real estate, get fully underwritten and approved with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian at Sierra Pacific Mortgage before you make an offer. Their fast-track approval process will allow you to compete with cash offers whether you're buying today, tomorrow, or a year from now. Even though housing prices are stabilizing or coming down, economic uncertainty, supply chain issues, and limited construction means the real estate market is limited and competitive. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com right now. Get fully approved today and have confidence so that when you're ready to buy, you'll have the money ready to go. Don't wait. Go to andrewandtodd.com. Lock in today's still historically low rates. Go to andrewandtodd.com. That's andrewandtodd.com. All right, y'all. Reading to you Heather McDonald. The claim that blacks are... what What is the ACLU report? More than three times as likely to be arrested for possession of marijuana than whites. So listen to this. From Heather Macdonald in the American Mind, historically marijuana use and culture has been more embedded in black communities than in white as twentieth century by the way, she's one of the few writers like me who doesn't capitalize black or white, another another left-wing evil like like black is more than a color. What is black? if you're from Jamaica. If you're from Togo, if you're from South Africa, uh, if, if you're from New York City and you're black, what do you have in common? So, uh, is it an ethnicity? Is, is it a nationality? Is it a language? Why is it capitalized? Historically, marijuana use and culture... Has been more embedded in black communities than in white, as 20th Century Chronicles of Urban Black Life by Claude Brown, Richard Wright, W.E.B. Du Bois, and others make clear. That disparity continues today, despite the flower power revolution that created generations of Grateful Dead potheads. Blacks comprise one third of all treatment admissions nationally for marijuana use. Uh, excuse me, she writes, abuse, for marijuana abuse, though they represent only about 13% of the nation's population. Among cannabis users, blacks have a nearly 70% higher rate of cannabis dependence than whites. So either Heather McDonald's figures are lies, or the ACLU figures are lies, and the New York Times is lying. I love to bring to you clarity. Okay? You have, you have to choose. Someone's lying. The Democratic Party and the New York Times, its spokesman, or Heather McDonald and the studies that she cites. Can't get clearer than that, can you? Are blacks, are, are, are 70, are, if blacks are one-third of all treatment admissions for marijuana abuse, so is that racist? It's way, way disproportionate to the numbers in the population of blacks. A 2016 study by Washington, D.C.'s Department of Health found there were 38 times more blacks than whites in treatment for marijuana disorder. 38 times. So the ACLU lies to you about this. The New York Times lies to you. And there's a reason. Truth is not a left-wing value. I know that as I know my mother's and father's names that I have certitude about the left not valuing truth because I've studied the left my whole life. They don't value truth. Lenin's naming the Communist Party newspaper of the Soviet Union Pravda, which means truth. There is left-wing truth, which has no relationship to truth like the 51 heads of national intelligence agencies, who signed a statement that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation a few weeks before the 2020 election. They lied. They all lied. Every head of these intelligence agencies lied. I mean, pure, undiluted lie. Because electing a Democrat was more important than truth. There's always, for the left-winger, a greater value, whether it's climate change avoidance or electing a Democrat. Truth is not a left-wing value. Again, who's telling the truth? I'm curious, leftists listening to this show, whom do you believe? Interesting, isn't it? you believe the ACLU and the New York Times? Or do you believe the uh, Washington, D.C. Department of Health that found that uh, blacks... 38 times more blacks than whites were in treatment for marijuana disorder. Hmm? The rate of marijuana use in D.C. was 62% higher for blacks than for whites. As for drug use generally, from 2017 to 2019, the rate of treatment admissions for substance abuse disorder was nearly 58% higher for blacks than for whites. Hmm? That's not just D.C. It's drug use generally. Even if marijuana use and abuse were spread equally among black and white populations, possessing a small amount of marijuana lands no one in federal or state prison, absent more significant criminal activity, as even radical prison abolitionists are increasingly willing to admit. Marijuana possession convictions are usually the result of plea bargaining down from more serious charges, whether drug trafficking or other felonies. In 2013, over 91% of federal marijuana possession convictions came from arrests made at the border. The median quantity of marijuana possessed by those border offenders was over 48 pounds. Would you arrest someone with 48 pounds of marijuana? I would. I will continue. Most of us know that being online means that everything we do is under constant surveillance, whether it's big tech companies creating detailed profiles of our personal lives, or government agencies scanning our emails even when we haven't done anything wrong. Our privacy has never been more at risk. How can we make sure our personal information stays private? The first thing is to switch to a secure email service such as Start Mail, which keeps emails safe. Every email can be encrypted or protected with a password, which means no one can read, scan, or sell your private information without your consent. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. Another thing I like about Start Mail is that you can generate unlimited disposable email addresses, so I. Never have to give out my real email anymore. Switching to Start Mail is simple. Your emails and contacts are transferred in a few clicks. Sign up with Start Mail today, and you'll get fifty percent off your first year. Go to startmail.com/prager. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. You know I say. I've said all of my life, because I've studied the left all of my life, the truth isn't a left-wing value, it's a liberal value and a conservative value. So the latest, oh, I'll give you just one quick example. Uh, there is a, a tweet showing me saying that there are no secular arguments against incest as an example of the failure of secularism to provide moral bases of society. There are no secular arguments, as I pointed out, against public nudity. And so an organization devoted to lying called Media Matters, it's a a left-wing version of, of Pravda. So put out the tweet as an example of my promoting incest. You have no idea how often... This is the norm for... Left-wing organizations, not just with regard to me, with regard to any conservative, who is effective in bursting the intellectual bubble of the left. Let us lie about Prager. Let us lie about any of the uh, any of the effective spokesmen who know that the left is a moral catastrophe. I'm pro incest because I said that there were no secular arguments against consensual intimacy between adult relatives like a brother and sister to their great uh, disappointment I have no sister so their attempt to actually depict me as wanting to have such relations with a sister doesn't work but you get the dishonesty I was making the point that secularism is worthless in many moral arenas and it is now depicted and among the gullible who follow left-wing media that i am pro incest it doesn't bother me what what it does is if for any decent human being shows what a danger Every left wing media site is to truth. That's it. Just thought I'd share that with you. It, it doesn't matter, because truth is not a left-wing value. And that this is a such a great example. My whole point was that secularism doesn't provide moral foundations and they depict it as being being pro-incest. So it's an interesting question. Do people believe that? I guess the left, those who only read left-wing media, will believe anything. Men give birth. Prager wants incest legal. <laughs> oh my God, it is a battle. Every generation produces scum. It's just I've, I've made peace with that fact. I don't know why God made the world that way. But he did. They can be defeated, but only if good people fight. Most good people don't fight. Most good people don't even help the fighters. Well, I guess it's a good segue into having you help ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. They have a banner at my website. You got to help the fighters. If you, Not everybody can fight, but everybody can help the fighters. The banner for Alliance Defending Freedom is at DennisPrager.com. Well, listen to this, the latest from the left. The Wreckers of Civilization is their board. Fox News. Pennsylvania parent rips school district for canceling Halloween parades. Over inclusivity concerns. Get that? A Pennsylvania mom is slamming her local school district for canceling its annual Halloween parades over safety and inclusivity concerns. Safety. What do they mean? Administrators in the Lower Marion School District, located in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, sent emails to families at all six of its elementary schools last week, saying the parades, which date back over 50 years, will not happen this year. Quote, somebody was offended, so they're trying to take away our Halloween parade. And it's just another thing in this weird cancel culture That we are living in. Lower Marion School District parent Linda Joseph told America's Newsroom on Wednesday. That's yesterday. Officials cited security concerns and the well-being of students who do not celebrate Halloween. These, These people are... I don't know. There is no adjective that combines it uh, uh, stupidity and evil there's you have to use two separate nouns this woman Linda Joseph fears future holiday celebrations will suffer the same fate as the Halloween parades I don't think it's going to end here next year someone is going to be offended by Valentine's Day and then it's going to be Christmas my question is, where does this end? Ah, I don't know if you're a listener to my show, Linda Joseph. There is no end. That's what you need to know. The left just destroys. So you think when everything is destroyed, it ends. No, but there will always be somebody to destroy, if not if not an institution, if they've already Destroyed all the institutions. Halloween is not inclusive. That is correct. Let's see. There are Christian and Jewish and uh, Jehovah's Witness homes that don't celebrate Halloween. I grew up in such a home orthodox Jew in New York we, we did not celebrate Halloween we're not opposed to it we, we had oodles of candy to give to trick-or-treaters but I didn't go trick-or-treating the idea that it's not inclusive the idea that we'll stop Halloween because I came from a family that didn't celebrate it would have struck my parents as sick You don't celebrate it, don't celebrate it. Why do you deprive others of celebrating it? Answer, because the left wants to control you. Those of us who don't want to control other people's lives don't understand people who do. And I I admit it. The thought that because I came from a family that didn't celebrate Halloween, we would deprive kids who did celebrate it uh, of their fun again, would have struck my parents as so un-American and so so evil and stupid, they wouldn't have known where it came from. We're free not to celebrate and you're free to celebrate. What does it mean non-inclusive? Of course, there's nothing everybody celebrates. So everything should be torn down, which is exactly what they're doing. Columbus Day was is pretty much dead, right? Thanksgiving is dying. The left is destroying Thanksgiving because they say, oh, it's all a myth anyway and it should be it should be regarded as the day when the great tragedy of white European arrival on the continent of North America took place. They regard it as a tragedy. It would be much better to have left North America alone for the Indian and the buffalo to Rome. That's how they view it. Establishing the freest society to be a model to others is of no significance. And that's how it is, my friends. It's not inclusive. I don't even understand. What's the safety issue? Kids are getting beaten up while going trick-or-treating in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. And if they are, ironically, it's the left that's responsible largely for the staggering amount of crime in every big city. God, is it all upside down, no? All right, 1-8 Prager 776 You're listening to The Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show. Illegal drug trafficking has turned our southern border into a war zone, a war that no one wants to talk about. So that's why I urge you to see Border Battle, the new six-part limited documentary series from Turning Point USA that exposes the sheer evil and inhumanity of drug cartels and the illegal drug trade. How the drug fentanyl, the cartel Jalisco New Generation, and the Sinaloa cartel have created the worst overdose death crisis in American history. We've never seen this before in the history of our country. Hear directly from drug and border patrol agents about the horrific conditions along the border and what life is really like on the front lines. Watch Border Battle now. Download the full six-part documentary series at SalemNow.com. Use the promo code Prager to get 20% off. That's SalemNow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code PRAGER for 20% off.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome
0: back. It's a delight to have Nikki Haley, former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. and, of course, Governor of South Carolina. That's, that's by the way, that's, that's not a, a, a normal resume.
1: No, it's not. No, it's Well, not. you haven't
0: led a normal life.
1: I have been blessed. I mean, to serve, uh, you know, to serve the state that raised me and then to defend the country I love so much, I don't know that it gets better than that.
0: That's right. I'm not sure it does. Just to talk about your state just for one moment, then, of course, to get to your just published bestselling book, There, there is a big attraction of people who want to be freer. Obviously, Florida is the best known But I personally know people who've moved to South Carolina from California. Is that what you're there's seeing? A, there's a
1: massive influx. When I was governor, um, when I left to go to the United Nations, we had just we were just named number two state in the country that people were moving to. Is that right? Number one was Texas. Number two was South Carolina, and it's because you know we it's a very free state. It's a very relaxed state. It's it's a friendly state, and it was named the most patriotic state in the country. So you know people love going to South Carolina because they're kind. Yes, people have opinions, but they smile when they give them, and it's. Just It's a really special I, I love, place. I love your state. Oh, well, come often. I'm biased, but I think it's pretty great. No, no, I'm great. not
0: biased. I, I, I truly do, and I think everything you just said is accurate. What, what Are you even increasing population?
1: Yes, so the population has been increasing. You know, really, when I left being governor, we you know we I was really focused on bringing jobs and so now we build planes with Boeing we build more BMWs than any place in the world I recruited Mercedes-Benz I recruited Volvo we have five international tire companies so when you expand your manufacturing base like that you know it goes and it causes people to want to go where the jobs are and we had lots of jobs and so
0: woke are the schools
1: You know, I hope not too woke. Uh, You know, we had a good hand on it when it was, you know, there. I remember in North Carolina, they had just passed that bathroom bill. And, you know, a senator in my state decided he wanted to pass a bathroom bill, too. And I just strong-armed and said, we are not going to do that in South Carolina. Because if you had a transgender kid, you know, you worked with the school. You gave them a private bathroom. You didn't make the rest of the school population feel it. So I really controlled any craziness getting into our schools. I was very adamant that we had to focus on the basics, that we had to focus on lifting up the rural challenged areas without bringing down the wealthy areas. And so, you know, we focused on um, reading and making sure we passed legislation that said if a child can't read by third grade, you got to hold them back um, because we know then they'd be four times less likely to graduate high school. So we really focused on making sure our kids were successful.
0: One final question on South Carolina. Do you have four seasons
1: Yes, we do. That's why I think South Carolina is so great. You know, we have what's called halfbacks. People move to Florida and then they come halfway back to South Carolina because they want the four seasons. That's
0: funny. Yeah. No, I I, I adore your state. I just wanted to say so you have a book that just came out last week. If you want something done we know the rest of the uh the rest of the sentence and it's leadership lessons. From, from Bold Women, Nikki Haley, it's already a, a bestseller. You said a New York Times bestseller? New York
1: Times bestseller in no, USA Today. The only reason Today. I ask
0: is because nobody knows how they compute their bestseller I know, it, it, I know.
1: It's so funny. Uh,
0: my, my last book was number one in uh, Publishers Weekly, number one and uh, every list, and it didn't even appear on the New York Times. I don't think they like uh, Bible commentaries.
1: Well, and I think, you know, you never know when you're conservative how they're going to treat you. You
0: you, you hit it on the nose. Anyway, I'm I'm very happy for you. So what did you do? You take lives of specific women as models?
1: So what happened was, you know, the publisher had asked me to do this for a while, and I kept putting it off because I was busy. And he said, look, there's a lot of books on um, men leaders. There's not a lot of books on female leaders. And I was thinking back to when I was growing up. I remember in rural South Carolina, um, in a small town, 2,500 people, I would look for women. I would just look for women in leadership positions, and I didn't see any. And I would go to the school library in second grade to check out books on women. Really? And the only ones that I could check out were um, of First ladies. And so I would read their biographies, and I loved how they partnered with their husbands. I loved how they did things behind the scenes. I loved how they got things done. And so when I was thinking about it, I said, you know, I have to write this book, because I was one of those kids that was searching for something like this. And we all know strong girls make strong women, and strong women make strong leaders. And as parents, our job is to remind our daughters and granddaughters that if you work hard, and prove you deserve to be in the room good things happen and so I take um, 10 stories of ordinary women who became extraordinary I start with one of my um, favorites which was Margaret Thatcher which is why the book is you know after her quote if you want something said ask a man if you want something done ask a woman and I loved how she believed in Britain but more importantly she believed in herself. And then I talk about Golda Meir, who was the ultimate problem solver. There was no challenge that came in front of her, that she didn't look to anyone else. She wanted to do it herself. And she wanted to make sure that the Jewish people never relied on anyone. And she did it. Um, I talk about Jean Kirkpatrick, who was my predecessor, the first female U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. And she she always said she wasn't personally tough. But if you watched her on the world stage, right. she was incredible. Let talented. me remind
0: everybody: if you want something done by Nikki Haley, up at DennisPrager.com. We
1: dot Well, there
0: we go, hey folks. So Nikki Haley, when she came in, her first question after "How are you and your family?" was, "Tell me about relief factor. Do you really take it?" <laughs> <laughs> and I get such a kick out of that. I'm speaking with Nikki Haley, one of my favorite people, former governor of South Carolina and ambassador. Did I say Carolina? Did I? Oh, you're shoot. forgiven. I, uh, you're forgiven. No, no. If I, I, I don't forgive me. You, you're, <laughs> the governor is allowed to forgive me. I, I, no, I don't remember. Wasn't it uh, Kennedy used to say, "Cuba"?
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, the former governor of, the, of a state I particularly adore. So she has a book out; it's, it's a bestseller. It's it's about women, lessons from bold women. If you want something done, is the name of the book. It's up at dennisprager dot com. By the way, I met Margaret Thatcher. I want to tell you a little oh. about that. It was very meaningful to me. I introduced her uh, before a speech.
1: I'm so jealous.
0: For good reason. So I'd like to tell you and have you react to... I spent a fair amount of time with her that day because we spoke for a while before I got to introduce her. So this woman who who was truly one of the great leaders of the 20th century, I I truly admire her. She saved Britain in many ways. And she was fierce as nails. But do you know what struck me? how feminine she was yes this i think i'd like you to comment there is no antithesis between being a strong woman and a feminine woman
1: look i strongly believe um that you have to be strong in everything you do but you shouldn't deny what you are I mean, you know, I'm a girly girl. I've always been a girly girl. I appreciate women who know that they can be strong and feminine at the same time. Because I think it's an... You're an example. I think it's an amazing combination when you can be comfortable in your skin. That's right. But also be strong in what you believe.
0: And she, from everything I read, and even from our discussions, was a very devoted wife. That...
1: See, and mother, yes.
0: And mo- well, I didn't know the mother part. I knew, and, and I knew her husband's name was Dennis, which always cracked me up. There aren't many of us. The, I think a lot of young women have gotten a message from feminism that strong woman means not dependent in any way upon anybody else, including a man, going your on your own, not necessarily getting married certainly not taking wife and mother as seriously as career and so on. Do you, do you agree that that message has been a, a big one?
1: No, I think feminism has been, it has changed over time. What I always said when I was governor was I said, if I'm a good wife and a good mom, I'll be a great governor. And I said it as ambassador. If wait, I was a wait, good wait, wife that's and it-
0: a great line. I I want to remember that uh, about you.
1: And I would say if I'm a good wife and a good mom, I'll be a good ambassador. Because if everything is good at home and you've taken care of everything with your family, you can literally, there's nothing you can't do in the world. If there's anything wrong on the home front, the way women are wired, it bothers you. You know, if, if I would forget... You know, signing a permission slip for my son, or if I forgot something, it would bother me all day. And so I have always focused on family first. When I was governor, we had dinner every night as a family, five wow. nights a week. Wow. Um, Sundays were always family days. Wow. Fridays were Haley family fun nights. We always really focused on family because that made me better. Hmm. And what I talk about in the book that I think is so important is women, feminism doesn't mean that women are victims. We're not victims. We don't need quotas. We don't need special treatment or special help. We just need opportunities. And when that door opens, go in there and prove you deserve to be in the room. And I think when women do that, great things happen. And you know, you look at, at Margaret Thatcher, you were saying, this was a woman, she was a grocer's daughter, heavily underestimated, Mm-hmm. Treated poorly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she erased 40 years of socialism in 10 years. And even when they put the pressure on her to make a U-turn, because it was tough and it didn't happen overnight, she went and she talked to the, you know, conservative assembly and she said, you make a U-turn if you want to. This lady's not for turning. And, you know, I think it's it shows that be strong, but prove you deserve to be in the room. Don't demand it don't earn it earn it and there's no better way to do that than to just work hard and i've had to do that in every i've been underestimated in everything i've ever done in my life Hmm. and i love that because it makes me scrappy and it Hmm. makes me want to prove myself and it makes me want to earn the respect and support of the people around me
0: that's beautiful by the way golda meir I don't. Did Golda, I don't think Golda Meir had kids. Correct.
1: She did have kids, oh, I didn't and she know that. had a mother's guilt. That and I talk about that in the oh, book. That's she had a mother's guilt because she was away from home so much. Yes, I see. But that's that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is as a mom, your your mind is always uh-huh. on your family.
0: That's interesting, but I do know this: that the the most powerful leaders of the world would come to her home, and she would go into the kitchen and prepare for them tea and cake and so on.
1: She was remarkable. (laughs) And, you know, when they needed money for weapons, she went out and raised the money. I mean, she was more than just one of the founders Mm -hmm. of Israel. She was someone that was determined to make sure after the Holocaust that never again would the Jewish people have to rely on anyone else she wanted them to have an independent place that they could call their own it's really remarkable if you look at because her her parents all they wanted was for her to get married and she knew that her life was meant for more than just getting married and she did get married by the way
0: oh that's fascinating the book is up at dennis prager.com by nikki haley if you want something done Well, everybody, final segment here with Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and ambassador to the UN. The book was an instant bestseller when it came out last week. If You Want Something Done is the title. It comes from a great line of Margaret Thatcher. If you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. So I wrote a, 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 I write a weekly column, and I, I my column a few weeks ago was that women are disproportionately doing damage in this country. I can't believe I wrote it because, in other words, I can't believe that I believe it. And my example is what is happening to to children who are being sexualized at such an early age. Mm -hmm. And as I wrote, my whole life I believed that the great protectors of children's innocence were women. But 95% of kindergarten teachers are women. And that's where it's starting you have any thoughts on that why are all these women robbing children of innocence
1: i have so many thoughts on that because you know you had this this bill in florida that was passed that they said was the don't say gay bill and basically you can't talk to a child about gender before the age of third grade i don't think that goes far enough i didn't have sex ed until seventh grade and then when we did, your parents had to sign for it, and my parents wouldn't sign the permission slip, well, so I was the uncool right. kid in the your, in the your room next door. Were right. it's none of the the thing is, damn business. children don't need to focus on that; they don't need to be worrying about that. They need to worry about being social and understanding what it's like to be kind and nice, and learning how to read and so no do you and explain All explain These women teachers, you know, I think that what happened was the communists became college professors, and the college professors educated these. These people who are now teachers, and I think the teachers unions are pushing this in. Teachers have such a hard job right now, but they cannot teach those things. I don't want my children learning that. That's why you're seeing a mass exodus from public schools, and you're seeing people go look for schools where it's not going to happen. I don't think it's just women. I think it's women and men, parents in general should not be okay with your children learning that, nor should they be okay with critical race theory where a child goes into kindergarten. If she's white, you're telling her she's bad. And if she's brown or black, you're telling her she's never going to be good enough and she's always going to be a victim. These are all abusive. It's abusive that men are playing in women's sports. That's the women's issue of our time. So I think women need to be standing up for every one of these things, for our kids, for our families, for their future, for their education, there's so much at stake. And I think what's happening in our schools is unthinkable. The rest of the world thinks we've lost our minds, mm-hmm. and that's why we look incredibly well, distracted. I'm very happy
0: I asked you about this. It was a very eloquent and passionate statement. It's a terrific book. If you want something done, Nikki Haley. And Governor, Ambassador, and Nikki, it's a
1: joy. It's always fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We return. You are listening to The Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain Free Studio. Well, hello, y'all. Dennis Prager here. Just had Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and ambassador to the UN, here in studio. Not, not by video link, but actually here. I had done a fireside chat with her. For those of you who don't know, I do a fireside chat every week. I've done 270 weeks of fireside chats. I missed only one. I'm very unhappy that I missed one. I'm very careful, because if I go away, I will do one in advance, so as to record it. In fact, that's true this week, because I'm going next week, let's see, I will be in... Where is my sheet? Oh, yeah, I didn't bring that. I will be in four cities with my colleagues, Pittsburgh, Orlando, Philadelphia and I think Cleveland. I have to remember the fourth. And then I will be going to Chicago with for no event. I'm going to Chicago with my wife after Pittsburgh to hear a symphony with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. My wife and I have a... a a passionate love of a composer most of you never heard of named Bruckner, Anton Bruckner, late 19th century. And we are particularly in love with two of his symphonies, the 5th and the 8th. So I have a Google Alert set up for Bruckner symphonies. And we went to Cleveland to hear the great Cleveland orchestra. It was right before the lockdowns. And went backstage, a number of the musicians uh, knew you or knew me, spoke to the conductor, man in his 90s, Her- Herbert Blomstedt, who was the total vigor of a person in their 50s. And we heard Bruckner's 5th, and we're going to the Chicago Symphony to hear Bruckner's 8th, another of the greatest symphony orchestras in the world. This may not be true in 10 years because the New York Times, for example, one of the woke newspapers of our society, has advocated that there no longer be blind auditions for orchestral positions. This was set up to combat racism and sexism so that the orchestra officials who decided on who would be a new violinist or a new oboist, etc., would not see the person playing the instrument. They would only hear how good the person played an instrument. They heard, but did not see. It's called blind auditions. New York Times is against it. They prefer visible auditions so that you can, in fact, discriminate against Asians and whites for the orchestra positions. This is what's considered morally progressive. So I have no idea if the Chicago or New York Symphony or New York Philharmonic will be uh, as good 10 years from now. It's no reflection on non-Asians or non-whites. It's a reflection on the system of choosing who becomes a member. If it's not based on excellence, then you will have a deterioration. United Airlines has announced that half of its positions in its flight school will be reserved for women. So does that mean that they will compromise on quality? Of course it means that. The moment you say that it's reserved for any group, it's not a reflection on the group, it's a reflection on on the statement that standards will no longer be be used to choose pilots or oboists, as the case may be. This is all to make people feel good about themselves. This country was so good relative to other countries, not relative to utopia, that every leftist needed a cause to make themselves feel good about themselves because there's really not much that was critically necessary to do in this society because the society was essentially free, opportunity driven, and generally speaking, if you didn't advance in the society, it was either the fault of luck – you just had bad luck, you were you were chronically ill or chronically depressed, or you had met with a terrible accident that made, made your brain not function quite as well, or you were just lazy. Outside of bad luck, and bad character there really aren't reasons why you can't advance or couldn't advance in the United States of America. When I had Nikki Haley on just now, we spoke for a while and we spoke about the the assault on parents and through the schools. And what was her her line the rest of the world while well, what did she say exactly? The rest of the world thinks we're crazy. So I'm speaking in Denmark in a few weeks. I'll be at the Danish parliament giving a speech. And Denmark is a good example. Denmark has announced that if you're under 50, you should not take the the so-called COVID vaccination. I say so-called because it's clear it's not a vaccination since... You are as likely to get COVID if you're vaccinated as if you're not vaccinated. The claim is that it'll be a milder case. I, I have no answer to that claim. I I don't believe it's true, but I don't have a an answer. I do have a statement though that is clear. You cannot honestly call something a vaccination if you're just as likely to get what you're vaccinated against as the person who doesn't get the vaccination. but truth is not a left wing value so it is what it is but do you realize that for the first time in American history and I've made this point in the past America is exporting bad ideas you know how embarrassing no, I take that back it is embarrassing but that's not the primary emotion that this fact elicits the primary emotion is sadness my beloved America is now the exporter of toxic ideas. Because everything the left touches, it ruins, and that includes America. The joy of destruction. Somebody would to write a book on the left, and I did. I think it's the best summary of what the left stands for, of which I am aware it's called Still the Best Hope. It's a book about American values. It is a book about leftist values and Islamist values. It's three books in one called Still the Best Hope. But if somebody were to write one uh, on just on the left, they should call, call it the joy of destruction. That's what it is. I was reading to you prior to Nikki Haley coming by. I was reading to you Christopher Rufo reporting that the American Medical Association, the Association of American Pediatricians and the Children's Hospital Association have called upon the Biden government to prosecute people who publish information about their gender affirming Mutilation of children. It shows you how the left now understands that you can use government to suppress dissent. There is no difference between these people and the communists of the Soviet Union. There is no difference. They are morally indistinguishable. The only difference is under Stalin they had a gulag, and we don't yet have a gulag. I want to make that distinction clear. But in terms of using the government to suppress dissent, these people would have fit in beautifully in any fascist. Merrick Garland would have fit in beautifully in a fascist or communist regime. Use the government to suppress dissent as as natural to him, apparently, as breathing is to the rest of us. And that's the reason they're calling on the government and Merrick Garland to do this they know that they have an ally in the belief that you can use the government to suppress dissent. These are dark days in this country. But we haven't lost it yet. Don't forget that. The Dennis Prager Show. Washington Post. Poll finds sharp partisan divides over teaching LGBTQ issues. No kidding. Hmm. you really want uh, I don't think I I was opposed to sex education before the the letters LGBTQ even meant anything to people I had no sex education in school my parents gave me a book called Being Born I think I was in seventh grade I learned everything about how babies come into the world and moved on with my life. Who the hell are schools to tell your kids about sex? Who the hell is the school? The fact that parents accept it shows you the inexorable advance of left-wing thought that the government should raise your child. The government should feed your child, raise your child, educate your child, basically you provide shelter for the government's children that's it and if the gov- if the left had the w- their way they would probably have all housing public as well i find it remarkable on on such a sensitive and intimate matter you would want the state to teach your child What was the old uh, old line i used to use? I want my child to learn math, not how to put a condom on a banana. Hmm. God. So listen to this. It's interesting uh this this poll results in the Washington Post on many uh it, from many perspectives. About 85% of Democrats said high school students should learn about sexual orientation and gender identity. That compares to 37% of Republicans who want students to learn about sexual orientation and 32% about gender identity. One-third of Republicans want students to be taught about gender identity? Yeah. I believe that. Do you believe that? I don't want to believe it, but I guess... Uh-huh, you don't want to believe it, Yeah. It's mind-blowing. But look at the difference, 85 to 37. That's why I say it's an unbridgeable gap between left and right. You, You want your kids to learn at school, to be taught at school, that there is a large number of genders, you really want them to learn that lie? Do me a favor. Take a look if you want to sign up for Facebook ha- a- a- under gender, ha- what the number is now. Years ago, it was, I think, 52. These numbers drop further when it comes to assigning books on these topics. Fewer than 3 in 10 adults support assigning reading in high school that depicts sex between people of the same sex. Just 7% supported for elementary school. So this is really interesting. This is not of Democrats or Republicans. This is of the whole country. So fewer than one in three adults think that high school kids should be assigned same-sex act depictions. That's really something. It's down to fourteen. Yeah. If you sign up for Facebook, there are fourteen genders. Fourteen options. Fourteen options? Could you tell them to me? I'll repeat them for my listeners. A gender. Agender? Go on, yeah. Androgynous. Androgynous. Bigender. Huh? Bi Bigender. Cisgender. Cisgender. Cis woman. Cis woman. Cis man. Cis man. Non-binary. Non-binary. Gender fluid. Gender fluid. Gender questioning. Gender questioning. Trans- Transgender, trans woman, trans, woman trans, trans man, transgender person, transgender person, two spirit, two spirit, and custom. Custom. You can, custom you can fill custom. in in case none of the previous 11 worked. Like tree or something. So, how many people at Facebook take this seriously? If anybody at Facebook does, this is what I picture. I picture people under 30, and I picture females. Cisgender females at that. By the way, what is the difference between cisgender gender and cisgender male or cisgender female? Well, a lot of them are are redundant, it it would seem. But anyway, it's up to 12. Okay. Well, 14, I'm sorry, 14. It's. I find this interesting that so few adults want high school kids to read about uh, people of the same sex having sex, and 7% support an elementary school. And yet, aren't they having it in elementary school? Well, wasn't that that incredible sign about licking, licking it at, at a... Uh, a a drag queen story hour fewer than 4 in 10 people support a signed reading of books that discuss the experiences of gay and lesbian people in high school what what, what does that have to do with high school I, I don't want the experiences of heterosexual couples reported in high school sex doesn't belong there Hey, do you know how bad things are academically, and this is what they're doing? NPR, okay, a, 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 which is a, a equivalent to Pravda. It's the it's, it's left-wing government agency. ACT, ACT test scores dropped to their lowest in 30 years. Scores on the ACT, ACT college admissions test by this year's high school graduates hit their lowest point in more than 30 years. The latest evidence of the enormity of learning disruption during the pandemic. See, nobody tells the truth, including conservatives on this. It's not the pandemic that did this. It was the lockdowns. Sweden had a pandemic, but they didn't lock down their kids. The, the, the medical professions and the government's collusion in, in hurting children should be one of the most important lessons of the last two years. I'm ready to go. I'm for the I love up people who think about the society the and how we got to where we are. That's been my life's intellectual endeavor. And apparently the same Is true of my guest, Stella Morabito. She's a senior contributor to The Federalist, one of the great websites. She has a book out, The Weaponization of Loneliness. Listen to this. This is interesting. The Weaponization of Loneliness. How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. Just for the title alone, one should get the book. Stella Morabino, welcome to the Dennis Prager show.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: When did the book come out?
2: Just yesterday it was released. So That's a um, That's a riot.
0: Mine was released Tuesday, yours was released Wednesday. <laughs>
2: There you go. I, I don't know. Great books. Uh, um, you know, I, I know those, on Deuteronomy, it looks fascinating. I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm looking well, forward um, to it. Well, look,
0: I'm flattered that you even know that it exists. Most people don't know how to say Deuteronomy. You said oh it very, very fluently. <laughs> well, wow. <laughs> anyway, let, let's talk about this. The, so if I understand you correctly, and I have every intention of reading the book, and I don't say that to every author. Oh, thank uh, I, you. In fact, I already ordered it. <laughs> so, oh,
2: wonderful! So,
0: yeah. Uh, so, the 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 title means that if you don't join our mob, I looked at mm-hmm. your table of contents. If you don't join our mob, you will be isolated, and so we use your the natural human fear of being alone and lonely to get you to join the mob. Is that, is that a correct analysis of what you're saying?
2: In many ways, yes. Um, when, when I came up with this you know idea, I wrote the book because I felt that there were so many destructive agendas going on all at the same time bombarding us. And I was looking for a common denominator, a common thread that ties them all together, and that is isolation. Uh, when you think about it, I think everybody needs to recognize that as human beings, we're social animals. And and what that means uh, is that on the one hand, we have a very primal need to connect with other people. And the flip side of that is we have a very primal fear of being isolated, of being ostracized or social, you know, socially rejected. And so, yes, that does lead people to join mobs in different forms. Obviously, mobs, necessarily always street mobs, but just kind of a mob mindset. And, uh, and so this, uh, this, uh, what I call the machine, it works into what I call the machinery of loneliness.
1: And, and,
2: uh, you'll have, uh, bad actors who take that uh exploit that very natural human need to connect uh coupled with the fear of being isolated and and that can be exploited to produce automatically in so many cases the conformity impulse and through that conformity impulse that that desire not to be you know rejected or, or isolated People will sign on uh, against their better judgments to all kinds of destructive, even evil policies and agendas. And, you know, I mean, we see this through history.
0: Wow. So, what prompted you to come up with this thesis? Is it the left in America?
2: Well, you know, I have another, you know, another thesis theory that there are really two camps thought and anti thought—that's just kind of the way I put it. Yes, I think the the anti thought contingent, if you if you will, or the left, or you know, just this kind of mob uh, mentality that that creates all of these destructive agendas. Uh, that, as a matter of fact, also serve to isolate us. I mean, you think about what's happening in education, and medicine, in all of our institutions. The agendas themselves have a tendency to isolate. All right, hold
0: it there. I want to remind everybody, Stella, about your book. It's up at com, and it is The Weaponization of Loneliness. We will return momentarily. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia.